Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right, good morning. Welcome to Save the Cowboy. Thanks for coming. Appreciate everybody coming this morning and and uh, sharing some fellowship, hearing God's Word, and, and hopefully... Uh, Get some uh, lessons to take out and, and live during the week. This morning I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we, Kevin and I always tell stories about cowboying, and, and we, a lot of times we you know, preach in cowboy terms, and we, we talk about, you know, all the cowboys that we know and that we've done things with and here and, and around. But this morning I want to go a little different direction. I want to talk about all the people that, that uh, support Save the Cowboy and attend Save the Cowboy and serve here that, that don't cowboy for a living. And... And, uh, you know, a lot of times people think that when we say cowboy church that, it's, that, that that's what it's for, just for cowboys. But that's not the case. It's for anybody who, who, who likes what we're doing with this ministry, who feels like they belong here, and who wants to, to, go, and, to go out and, and serve in that capacity. And, and uh, so the, the best example I can think of uh, for that is my son. And my son always asked me, he said, Ty, why don't you tell stories about me when you're up there? And I said, well, people, you, know, you know how it is when you go somewhere and all, everybody, they just talk about their kids. That's all they do. It's pretty fun for a while, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, let's talk about something else. And I just don't want to sit there and brag about my kid all the time. But, uh, <clears throat> but I, yet it, it kind of came to light yesterday once again, uh, someone came up to me and asked where my son was, and I said, well, he's, he's, uh, he's in Kansas racing dirt bikes. And they're like, you must be so sad and disappointed that he doesn't want to be a cowboy. And I'm like, not at all. But, but you can't believe how many times I'm, I'm asked that. Like, you, must, you know, I bet you wish he, he, he cowboyed with you and that you could pass on your knowledge to him and, and all that. And I got to admit, when he was little, I kind of, when, when I first realized that, <clears throat> that he uh, wasn't really interested in cows and horses, and he had the me- mechanic gene, which is missing in my lineage. Uh, you know, <coughs> I, uh, I kind of have a grease phobia. Um, I scream like a little girl when I get it on my fingers, and I don't know what to do, and I just kind of <laughs> freeze up when I get grease on my hands. And, uh, but he's not that way. He, he, got, he got his... Uh, genetics from his mom's side and he's and he's he he likes the engineering he likes the mechanical stuff and uh, I remember when he was when he was in his skateboarding phase and uh, he used to wear caps and he'd buy these skateboarding caps that were flat straight across and I hated that and I'd try to grab those caps and round them out so they fit his face you know one day and I was giving him a hard time one day and he says dad does you wear a flat hat And he says, people make fun of your hat, but do you ever change it? I'm like, ah. What do you say? You can't say anything, right? So that was the day I realized that, that I needed to support him in his calling and, and, and quit trying to change him into something that, that was my calling. And, and uh, so that's, you know, when he, when he started deciding he wanted to race dirt bikes, um, and he races flat track. He doesn't do this, the supercross thing like this here. They race flat track 
Um, and they top out at like 100 miles an hour down these straightaways, and then they go in these turns, and it's all on dirt, and they slide through the turns, and then they come out of there, and, man, it, it's scary. It's scary to see your kid do that at 13 years old. Um, but uh, so, and then, then I get people that say, well, that's super dangerous. Doesn't that worry you? And I'm like, well, I, you know, at the roping yesterday, we had, we had three wrecks. And at the flat track yesterday in Kansas, they had three wrecks. So I think, I think it's kind of a wash, right? Uh, I, but I've been around the horse deal so long that it, it makes me nervous when he's riding because I've seen so many bad wrecks in the horse deal uh, with all the people. And, and I'm naive when it comes to motorcycles. I haven't seen that many bad wrecks. I know it happens. His mentor's broken 146 bones. Um, so I know it happens, but, you know, what do you do? You, you got you to gotta let... You gotta let them do their calling, and that and that's what I'm saying with with the ministry here and with the people that come here. We're we can't try to make people into funnel them into some little group that that's all the same. We 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 had a guy here that that used to help with the ministry, and and he wanted to make this a ministry solely for working ranch cowboys, and, and you know that that would have meant there was like three people in here, you know, that actually made their living working with cattle. I wouldn't have qualified. I was riding colts and shoeing horses. I wouldn't have qualified. I couldn't have come. So we're, that's not what we're about. We, we need to support the, the, the personal calling of everybody that's in here, but, you know, try to make it to where it all comes back into the, the mission of Save the Cowboy and what we're trying to do. And so, uh, so you know, my son can do whatever he wants, but, but he still has to realize that he's, he's a missionary when he's on that bike. And and it made me really happy when, when he was ordering his new uh, graphics for it. Because he'd, he'd bought a bike and it had someone else's name on it. And that's not going to work. So he, so he ordered new graphics for it. And he came up to me and he said, he said uh, could I put Save the Cowboy on my bike as a, the logo, as a sponsor? And I said, well, yeah, you're not going to get any money. To, <laughs> but, you, but you're welcome to. We don't have any money to sponsor you, but, but you're welcome to put the the logo on it and so it's plastered as big as day on the side save the cowboy and long x ranch on his bike and i don't know of anybody else that's ministering to the 13 year old kids in kansas uh that on the racetrack that that's his calling that's what he's doing and people come up all the time and say who what's save the cowboy they you know they see it on his bike because most most of the other bikes have uh Durrell suspension and you know some of these tires and this and that, and, and he's got Save the Cowboy plastered on the side. And, and so that, that really helped me to, to be okay with what he's doing because cause his, he's ministering where he's called, and, that, and that's, that's in a whole different setting than I'm capable of ministering. I can't minister to that group because um, I have no idea what, what they do. Um, I was honestly a little concerned about the biker crowd when I when I at first I didn't know the biker crowd um, and so there's a nothing is close to where we live in Kyle right nothing except the except the one flat dirt track in in uh, in eastern Colorado is seven miles away from us and so it, it's just down here by east by Fondas and and the, the guy that owns it Coy had gotten invited to go down with with some friends and ride on it one day and and I went up to the guy that owned it, and I said, is there any chance that we could ever just come down, could I, I could bring my son down just to get some time on this track and ride it. 
and he said, sure. He said, just call me and, and let me know and then make sure you're there. And so uh, I made Coy call him uh, when he, on a Saturday night, and he, he asked Ryan if he could come down and ride. And Ryan said, you can come ride here on one condition. And Coy says, what's that? And he said, you go to church first, and then you come ride. So that's when I knew everything was going to be okay. So he's, he's got some great mentors that are Christian men in that, in that realm that, that are going to be able to, to uh, teach him in a, in a different way. They're, it's, a, it's a wonderful group. It, it, we, had a, we had a roping yesterday, and I love that group of people because, just because they're good people and, they're, and it's fun and everything. And, and it's the same exact group in the, in the flat track dirt bike. It's the same exact people. They just do something different. But they're, but they're all, you know, living for God and, and doing what they love. And it's a dangerous and exhilarating just like what we do. So uh, anyway, um, I just want to encourage everybody to, to do what God's calling you to do personally and somehow try to fit it in here. That's, that's, that's the challenge, you know, make sure everybody kind of can still stay a, a, a church family and, and uh, you know, as long as we're all working toward the same goal, it doesn't really matter what, uh, you know, what, what direction you're called into um, because it's, it's not about working cowboys. It's, about, it's just about working for God altogether. So I'm going I'm to read out of 1 Corinthians 7, and I'm going to be able to read this, I'm telling you. In fact, I'm backing up so big verse 17 each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the lord has placed you and remain as you were when god first called you let's pray lord thank you so much for today and and for the wonderful life that you've given us a life where you've called us all to do something and and uh we have the freedom in this country to go ahead and pursue that that calling and in the way that we that we choose so we thank you for that thank you so much for all the people in, in this ministry that's supported and, and fellowship together and serve. Uh, we're, we're just really blessed to, to have a group like that in this small community. Thank you for Kevin and all that he does. And just ask you to bless the, the Long X Ranch and, and the Save the Cowboy ministry each and every day so that we can do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome to Save the Cowboy, everybody. My name is Kevin Weatherby. Uh, it is a uh, privilege to be here. Um, you know, as Ty was saying, our goal is not to turn people into cowboys, okay? That, that, that's not it. And, and that, that's a great segue into what we're, the series that we're doing right now, which uh, we try to teach authentic Christianity through the legacy, artistry, and tradition of the working ranch cowboy. Now, you, like I said, we're, we're not trying to turn nobody into a cowboy. But we don't know anything else, and this is what we've done with our life. This is what God has put into our lives, and so we use the lessons we learn. And um, one, of the, one of the great things is, is we do it through stories. And um, the, the thing that, that the only downside to that is more often than not, somebody comes up and they say, oh, I loved your story about, and inside, and I'm not saying that I don't want y'all to say that or anything. I hope that God speaks to you through the story, not to the story, okay? Because, um, you know, when we, when we reach that point, we're like, oh, I love your story. The story's not the point. The point is, is that we try to go and uh, use an illustration for one purpose, 
and that's to point you towards Jesus Christ. And, and, and I say this all the time, that Save the Cowboys is a sick pen for sinners. It's not a show ring for saint. Um, just like fingernails on a chalkboard is when I hear the term good Christian. There's no good Christians or bad Christians. There, there's those that are saved and those that, are, that aren't. And, and Christianity is a journey, okay? And, and you know, my, my granddaughter that's just a little over a year old, I'm, I'm not awake enough to do math yet. I'd tell you that in months, but it's like 40 months or something like that. And um, 12s, I, I, can only, I can only multiply up to 10s. And, um, you know, she, she's just learning to walk, and, and, and she talks a lot, but she don't say nothing, you know. And, and, and that's the way, well, there's no good Christians and bad Christians, but there, but there are mature Christians, and then there are maybe what we would term, not in a derogatory way, a baby Christian. And, and if you're just starting out your journey, then you're, you're going to fall down. Um, you're you're going to do stuff wrong. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make mistakes. And, and, and that's how you grow is to continue on the journey, not just that suddenly you're saved and you, and, and you never do anything wrong and you get everything right. And, and it, it, it literally is a journey. Um, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Uh, last week I was telling you about, uh, I, I ended the service with telling you about uh, Antonio uh, was, was a cowboy on the San Pedro Ranch and I had gone down there whenever I was uh, 19 years old and I, I knew everything because that's what 19 year olds, that's their spiritual gift is knowing everything and, and I wasn't immune to that. And so, anyway, uh, I, when I got down there, it was a different world. I was the only one on the ranch uh, that that spoke English. My TV didn't even speak English. Um, I I knew some Spanish words, you know, consisting of donde, burrito, enchilada, and salsa. Okay, so I could use those four in any way you needed me to, but that was about it. And so I heard this... Uh, I heard this story, and, and you can always go back to, uh, to our, uh, our website, savethecowboy.com, click on previous clinics. That will take you to the live stream page where you can catch up on everything. We also have a mobile app where you can send prayer requests. Download it. You'll be cool if you do, okay? And you can catch up on all the podcasts. Uh, the, the podcasts now are full length. It includes uh, Ty's part in there because he's grown enough that I know God's certainly speaking uh, to him, he's kind of, he's kind of my preacher. Sometimes I, I get, I get just as much out of Ty's short messages as God teaches me through what he gives me. But anyway, I ended the, the, the sermon last week with, uh, I got on this horse called Atrevido and, um, Atrevido was a, was a little bay horse about Fiona's size at the time, real stout, good looking horse, but he was bad to buck. And so whenever I got on, we, we had a hackamore rig with a makati on it and, 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 a, and a big makati, which is like a long lead rope attached to the, the bosal that's on the horse's face. And Antonio got, got that horse's head right up against his horse, and he was on a big sorrel, and he dallied up. I got on, and Atrevido tried to buck me off, but he couldn't get his head down and couldn't go nowhere. So it was just, you know, kind of hopping around for a second. And so we started going, and I said, Antonio, what are we doing? And he said, you got one job, sit there 
and be quiet. Well, I don't do very good with either one of those things, but we get out there and, 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 and suddenly we come out to uh, uh, a fence line. And uh, if you've ever been in South Texas, South Texas consists of, of stuff that will sting you, kill you, bite you, and it's all hot. Okay, so, you know, we were, we were on this fence line, and, and it consisted of all of those things. And, uh, but there was a stretch down this fence, and Antonio gives me a little bit of extra uh, rain, and he's, he's still got me snubbed up, and he said, okay, now we're going to teach this horse how to whoa. I was like, well, what do you want me to do? I already told you what to do. Sit there and be quiet. Okay. So he starts trotting, and Atrevillo starts trotting, you know, alongside this big sorrel horse, and, and Antonio gets faster and faster and faster and faster, and Atrevillo is kind of, you know, kind of pulling back a little bit, and he goes, okay, third thing, kick him. So I start kicking him, and we kind of come up, not, not alongside him, but, you know, closer. And anyway, Antonio just starts going faster and faster. And I mean, before we know it, man, we are like the triple crown. I mean, we are flying down this fence line. And, and it's that, that old red sandy dirt down there. And I mean, we are at full stupid, okay? And, and as, as we get faster, Antonio was doing something much to my chagrin. He kept giving me more lead. More length and more length and more length until he just had just a little bit left. And all of a sudden, I see Antonio look over at me and smile. When that happens, it I, literally right now, I have chills down my back because that's, uh, I've never been more afraid. You know, Ty said that he watched that scary movie called It the other night. And he said he watched it for about, about three minutes and turned it off because he was by himself. That's what I felt on Atrevido that day. I just wanted to quit. I, send me back to West Texas. I, I am not man enough to be here. And, I, and Antonio, he kind of looks over at me, and, and with his eyes, he said, I, 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 I'm not ESPN or whatever you call that, where you, can, where you can listen to other people's thoughts. But I read that man's face, and what he said is, you've got a fourth thing to do. Hang on. And all of a sudden, he looks over at me, and he said, listo, which means ready. And he took a couple of hard dallies on that big sorrel, and he said, whoa. And that horse went, and me and Atrevido went, I literally screamed. And we hit the end of that lead rope. And I don't know what it's like to feel like a popper on a bullwhip. At least I didn't know what it felt like until that day. We spun around, and the only thing that kept us from just absolutely dying was that big sorrel horse because he couldn't go down because he was attached to a big horse. And we hit the end of that, and we bounced around there, and, and, and uh, I sold myself, and, but I didn't even care about that right at that point. I didn't want to do nothing but go home. And he said, he said, that was fun. <laughs> what? And so he gathers the rain back up, and, and, and I don't know whose eyes were bigger, Atrevido's or mine. We were both just like, he said, okay, now we go back. I was like, whew, we're done. He didn't mean that we were done. We were just going to go do it again. 
And so anyway, he starts trotting, and Antrevito starts trotting, and, and we start going faster and faster, and now we're at mock stupid again. And he's like, he gives me a bunch of rain, and he dallies up, and he says, whoa. And he sets that big sorrel down. And right before we hit it, Atrevido did the famous, you know, if any of y'all need uh, a horse training, I'm a really excellent horse trainer because I can teach a horse to bounce about four times on its front end when it stops. You know, these, these Montana cowboys, they make it look all pretty and slide to a stop and everything. But me, I like to teach them to do, 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 because that's what we did. That's where I learned it and everything. And he goes, mejor, that's better. And so he said, all right, we're going to do it again. Otra vez. And so we start going, going, and going, and going, and going, and going, and going. And all of a sudden, he dallies up, and he says, whoa. And I went over the front. Because Otra Vida went. Aah! I didn't go over the front. I didn't go over the front. I, I stayed on. Uh, that sticky stuff in the back was holding me on. And, and so, anyway, we did that about three or four more times, right? And I was just, it, it was one of the most exhilarating, scary crazy things in my entire life. You know what atrevido means? There, there's several different definitions because English is stupid. You know, we have the same definition for love. Like I love Cheetos and I love my wife, you know. So uh, uh, Spanish is a, is a beautiful language. And if, if you want to get my hackles up when people say, you're in America, learn English. English is stupid. We ought to learn another language. It, it really is. It's dumb. Just try to read uh, contracts, and you'll see just how dumb uh, English can be. But uh, atrevido means like bold or or daring or feel fearless. It can also mean like uh, uh, hard-headed a little bit, you know. And, and, I mean, he was perfectly named, perfectly named. I've changed all four of my horses' names to atrevido. And... Uh, but last week, we talked about the legacy of the Working Ranch Cowboy. This week, we're going to talk about the artistry of the Working Ranch Cowboy. And when we talk about the artistry of the Working Ranch Cowboy, I, I, I'm sure right now you've got a lot of things running through your mind of, of what that might mean, of, of this or that or this or that. But, but let me take you on, on a on a journey that, that maybe you might not have expected. See, whenever a, a, a working ranch cowboy, nearly everything that we do includes some form of artistry. And the way that I'm terming artistry is that the first part of the artistry of the working ranch cowboy is that artistry unleashes potential. Okay, artistry unleashes potential. You know, cow cowboys, you know, probably everybody that lives in this culture or been around this culture have heard the term breaking horses. Okay, and, and we, we all use it and, and, and there's kind of been a, a little bit of a shift. Maybe we've all heard it, but then, but then we hear the term starting horses or something like that. But I think that the whole goal of starting a cult is that it is unleashing the potential of the horse. You know, you, you think about a, a, a word in English, uh, for example, the word meek, okay? You, people think that because meek rhymes 
with weak, that, that they're synonymous, okay? Y'all didn't know I knew that word, did you? Uh, it, it, it's not synonymous. Actually, they're opposites. They're, they're antonymous, because uh, autonomous is a different word. See, English is stupid. And so, uh, um, meekness is actually what we are creating in that horse. Meekness is unleashing that horse's power because what meekness is, is bringing strength under control. Jesus said it himself. He said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. It's taking that power that God has infused us with. A power that's greater than, than, than any big horse, any big roping horse. It's, it's drawing all of this unfettered power into something that can be used. And that is the artistry of the working ranch cowboy is to unleash potential. Cowboys take a blank canvas and reveal the painting. And I'm not talking about necessarily, I'm not excluding it, but I'm not talking about painting with a brush. I'm talking about the canvas of life. It is about uh, taking a blank canvas and reveal the painting that no one else sees. Cowboys take a pasture and give it a purpose. I mean, when you, you watch cowboys and, and, and there, there is no greater illustration uh, well, there's as great, I guess, because of good cowboys, but there's no greater example of that. Come out to the Long X Ranch. I mean, yesterday we had the roping, and I guarantee you nearly every single person that I sat and visited with said something about, man, this place looks great, man, you've got good grass. You, know, you want to know why we have good grass? If some of y'all were around whenever we got that thing about four years ago, Man, it was overgrazed, the fences were bad, there was, there was trash everywhere. Not trash, but it was just, you know, it, it wasn't cleaned up. It's, nobody had taken care of it. And we took a canvas that most people would look at and say, man, you know, that, that place needs a lot of work. And, 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 and mainly through Ty, but through, through our kids' camps and, and through me and my family and a bunch of y'all volunteers, um, we are slowly painting that into another picture. I mean, you know, T Ty just used to just just drive me insane because uh, one day uh, we're both. One of you better get a sermon ready because I'm taking Ty to Texas, okay? Because Ty goes, we got to move those cattle. There's no grass. I'm like, what? You used to walk out into my pasture and you'd have to walk for 30 minutes to find grass, okay? And I look out across there, nothing but green, you know. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a different country and everything. But Ty takes such good care of that. As a matter of fact, the pasture right in front of my house, we have grazed that thing heavily. And it's probably the best-looking pasture that we have now. And when we got it, it had nothing but mullein and cheatgrass and everything. But, but Ty is good. He, he uses the artistry of the working ranch cowboy to know just how long to put those cows in there so that it's a benefit to the pasture, not just using the resources, but gaining resources in that pasture. The artistry of the working ranch cowboy is unleashing the power. Whenever we got done about four or five times of teaching Atravido to woe, uh, Antonio, you know, uh, calls up the Makate and uh, he hands it. Well, he actually reached over and he took my saddle strings 
and he tied it up. Uh, what are you doing? ¿Qué está haciendo? ¿Qué está haciendo? No, no, no. I'm supposed to just sit here and be quiet, remember? You know? But he said, now go ride him. And I looked around and I said, where? And I'm not kidding you. He pointed towards a field, not just a little bit smaller, or about half the size of this big field out here in front of the fairgrounds. And it was nothing but prickly pear cactus. He said, go ride him in there. And I said, uh-uh. And he gave me that look, and that look told me a lot of things. You know, I got that ESPN again. That, that, uh, I, 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 was, uh, I, I shouldn't question him. And I said, Antonio, <laughs> todo Nepal. <laughs> there is a lot of cactus out there. It's all cactus. And he said, no, there's little trails through there. He said, go ride him in there. And he said, whenever you go this way and the path takes you this way, Give him a little bit of leg pressure. You don't, you, don't try to, you don't try to steer him through it. You just keep him moving forward. And when he goes to the left, you give him a little bit of left leg pressure. He said the cactus will teach him how to yield to leg pressure. When we went, when we went right, I gave him a little bit of right leg pressure and left. And I, but I had a question. I said, Antonio. He smiled. Yes. See? I said, What happens if I fall off? He said, don't fall off. Don't fall off. And I said, what happens if he starts bucking? He said, there's no room to buck. If he starts bucking, you just pull his head around and he lands in one of the cactus. He don't buck no more. And sure enough, man, I started riding him through there and we were doing good. And then, you know, he got a little tired. I don't know if y'all, any any of y'all can relate to this, following a narrow trail and kind of get tired and wanting to buck up a little bit. And he kind of humped up and took a, Took about half a jump, and I screamed and wet myself and pulled him to the left, and we landed in the middle of one of those big cactuses, and Atrevido didn't want to buck no more. It was a lot easier just to follow that narrow trail. See, that's the artistry of the working ranch cowboy, of taking something that most people would just bulldoze and finding a purpose, unleashing the potential that lies within everything. Cowboys take a narrow trail of adversity and use it to mold and guide. And God does the exact same thing with us. We'd all rather take the trail ride through the wide open fields. The other day we had to go doctor a a calf out there by the windmill. And if any of you have ever been by the windmill, there's another little pasture kind of catty corner to it that's opened up. And it's just kind of nice and open and the cows were in there and Ty was going one way and I was like hey let's go this other way through this other gate so they don't get over by the windmill he goes why and I said because I hate trying to rope calves in, in in 400 acres of yucca you know and he said would you rather have the badger holes yeah yeah I would yeah <laughs> there's only a few badger holes there's 4,000 yucca you know and 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 we went out there and luckily the calf was fine that day we gave him a chance for God to work on him and God sure enough did. So we sat there and talked about ranch roping for 30 minutes because that's what we do. There's another story of God unleashing the potential in somebody found in Judges chapter 6. And the fellow's name is Gideon. Okay? The fellow's name is Gideon. This is before King Saul. This is before King David. This is after Mo, uh, after Moses and after Noah and, and Abraham and all of that. And um, the story of Gideon is, starts in, in uh, Judges chapter 6. 
And starting in verse 11, it says, Then the angel of the Lord... Now, the Midianites were, 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 a, were a tribe of people that had invaded Israel, and, and, and there was a bunch of them. I mean, they was, like, they was like flies right now. There's just a billion of them. And the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree at Oprah. Might be Ophrah. There's a PH in there, and English is stupid. Which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So here's Gideon. He's trying to get food, but he's so scared of the Midianites that he's not even threshing wheat in, in a, in a, on a threshing floor. He's using a wine press where he can hide so that nobody sees it because if somebody sees it, they're liable to kill him and take his food. So here's this guy cowarding being timid and, and in fear for his life, and he's in a wine press, you know, beating wheat down to get the kernels out, right? The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said this. This guy is, is hiding. He's afraid. He's fearful. He's timid. And what does the angel of the Lord, what does the Lord say? Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And I bet I wasn't there, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but if I was Gideon, I would have done this. Who's he talking to? And this guy is, is, is hunkering down, afraid, fearful, and everything, and an angel of the Lord comes and says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And in verse 13 of Judges chapter 6, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles of our ancestors that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites, for I am sending you. You mean the, you mean the, the guy hiding in fear in, in the wine press, threshing wheat? That mighty hero? That one that's going to save all, that Israel can't defeat, but God's going to send this one guy out to rescue Israel from the Midianites. You see, God saw the potential. You see, God is the ultimate artist. He created everything. And where somebody might have seen a guy threshing wheat in a wine press, a feared, and a, a feared, <laughs> uh, make up New English, he was a feared and timid and hiding, God saw not what was in front of his face, but God saw his potential. And might I dare say, he's doing the same with you. God saw the potential, not the present. God said, mighty hero. He knew what Gideon was capable of. He said, the Lord is with you. He said, go with the strength that you have. Now, now think about that right now. Go with the strength that you have. But what did he say just before that? He said, the Lord is with you. See, the Lord is our strength. Not, not what we can lift, not how good we can do groundwork. I mean, it's obvious I had to do groundwork a couple of times yesterday, and I only fell down twice doing it. Once from the back of Butthead. And, you know, I was one of the three that hit the ground, and I hit the ground twice. You know, once jumping over a cow and once trying to jump off my horse. Got asthma every single time, you know. I mean, if, if I were to rely on my own strength, I'm going to get this much done. 
But when you rely on the Lord's strength, the possibilities are endless. And God said, rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. This isn't a story about Gideon. It's a story about you. Because see, you're a cowboy. And, and, and maybe not a cowboy in the sense that, uh, that, that Robert is or that I am or that Ty is or, or that, uh, you know, that, that many of you here, that, that Dave is. I mean, it, it's, it, you may not be that type of cowboy, but God has told you that you have some pastures together. That you have to see through his eyes. That you have to unleash the potential, not just in yourself, but in others. And it's not your own strength that can get this done. It is the strength of God. Because he says, I am the one that is sending you. And speaking of sending you, that that says, I'm going to take you from here to somewhere else. Sometimes that's a physical journey, going from Texas to Colorado, coming from Montana to Colorado, coming like Don did from New Mexico to Colorado or, or by Nebraska to Colorado. We all have a journey to go on. Sometimes it's a physical. Sometimes it's an emotional. Most times it's a spiritual journey because, see, that's the second thing, the artistry of the working ranch cowboy that we witness from God is that artistry is a journey. It is not the goal that matters. It is the journey that matters. It is not the goal that will make you into who you are. It's the journey that will make you into who you are. And you know what journeys require? That word that everybody hates. That word that just, you know, they say, don't ever pray for patience. Don't ever pray for patience. But that's what it takes to go on this journey. You know, we didn't, we didn't, uh, buy the Long X Ranch or, or, or lease the ranching part of it and buy a few acres across the road. We didn't do that and, and go, well, we're done. It, it's been a journey, and that journey will, will never stop until God says that we're done. And, and we're not going after a specific goal. We are on a journey, and you should be too. That's what, Christ, that's what authentic Christianity is all about, is a journey. It's not about some goal to attain. It's about a journey to take. You know, I, I watched a really cool show that I'd, I'd never even heard of before. It had Nick Nolte in it, and it was called The Peaceful Warrior. It was, about a, it was based on, on a true story of where a guy, a, a gymnast at, at, uh, at Cal was uh, in a bad motorcycle wreck and he broke his femur in 17 places and had to put a rod in. They said he'd never be a gymnast again. And this guy helps him unlock his potential and takes him on a journey. And one of the journeys that he takes him on was, was literally a physical one. And he said, I've been wanting to take you on a three-hour hike since I got here, since I met you. He said, are you ready to take that hike? And he's like, yeah. So he takes him on this hike and, and on this hike, I mean, he, he's just marveling at, at, at seeing the beauty in all things. And they get up to the top, and he looks around, and it's really not that great. He kind of looks around, and he's like, is this it? And, the, and Nick Nolte's character smiles, and he's like, yeah, isn't it great? He's like, well, I was expecting something more. What did you bring me up here to see? And he goes, it's by your right foot. And he looks down, and there's a rock right there, kind of half buried in the ground. And so he gets down, and he pulls the rock out, and he goes, 
it's just a rock. And he said, but you'd have never seen the rock without taking the journey. He goes, what is this about? It's just a rock. And he said, but wait a minute. You enjoyed the journey up here. It's not about the goal, about what you find when you get there. It's about enjoying the journey. It's about going somewhere. It's about the experience. It's not about the goal. Well, Gideon went on a journey also. And in chapter 15, it says, or, or verse 15, it says, But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. So, you know, he, he belongs to the tribe of Manasseh. And, and Manasseh is, is the weakest tribe of all 12 tribes, right? And, 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 and he goes on and he says, and I am the least of my entire family. You know, I mean... Uh, some of you, some of you might be the kid that, that's bigger than all of your brothers. You know, my, my brother's like a third bigger than I am, you know. And uh, I, he, Gideon's saying that he's like, "Hey, man, I belong to Manasseh. Manasseh's the weakest tribe, and in Manasseh, my family is the smallest, and I'm the weakest part of my family." And God goes, "That's who I'm going to use." And God does that time and time again. He did it with Moses. He did it with Gideon. He did, he did it with countless others. He did it with David. David had David was a little sheep herder, skinny kid. God's like, that's the one I want right there. I can work through that. Because everybody else was relying on their strength that they possessed instead of upon God. In verse 16, he said, The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. And the Lord answered, I will stay here until you return. See, the Lord will be with you on your journey. He's not going to run off and leave. He's not just going to say, hey, man, I want you to go do this. I want, you to, I want you to pack up everything you own, and I want you to move to Colorado. He's like, well, I'm not that great of a preacher. He's like, great, that's what I can use. And he may be telling you the same thing. I want you to go do this. I want you to start a ranch. I want you to, to, uh, to, to go talk to some people. Whatever the journey is, God's never going to just send you and then go, Whew, hope he does okay. And walk off. It's not like that. He says, I'm sending you. I will be here with you when you return. You know, it's not about the journey that you're going to go on. We've already talked about it once. It's not about getting it right. It's about letting God guide each step. I, I, I quote some of these verses over and over again because I think that they have so much hidden meaning. In Psalm 119, 105, David, greatest king to ever live, father of the wisest and richest man that ever lived, said these words in Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to guide my path. Now, the, the lamps that he's talking about, I'm not talking about one of those billion candle watt spotlights. It was basically a little candle. And you think about it in a dark forest filled with bears and wolves and lions, and you're carrying a candle through there, how much of that path do you think it lit up? Not very far. And the farther you try to look, the dimmer it is. Because, see, the reason David said that is he knew that the only true step that he could take next was the next one. And as he traveled that journey, so the light 
traveled with him. Too often we are so concerned about what's behind us that, that, that we miss what's right here. Too often we want to see what's coming so that we can know to get ready and thank God that he doesn't allow us to see the future because one or two things would happen if you could see further. If you saw some of the trials and tribulations that are coming, you'd quit. And then if you saw some of the blessings that were waiting for you, you would go for the blessings instead of go with God. See, the journey is one step at a time. And each step you take, God will light that much path in front of you. You can never get ahead of the light and you can never get behind the light unless you just quit. See, artistry is a journey. And the last thing that artistry is, the artistry that the working ranch cowboy uses comes from God also. Because you see, artistry is about transformation. Artistry is about transformation. Uh, I had lunch the other day with one of my good friends, Sean Soa, and uh, uh, Ty had a, had a riata that was given to him. And as is the case, we often take something very special and we, we give it away. And Ty gave that riata to Sean, and Sean was talking about that riata, and he said, versus a, a regular rope, you know, some of the ropes we use kind of work a little bit better in, in cold, and some of them that we use, you know, work a little bit better in, in hot weather or whatever the case may be. But a, a riata is basically a rope that is braided out of rawhide. And if you don't know what rawhide is, um, leather is tanned animal skin, basically. That's what leather is. Rawhide is untreated. It, it, it doesn't go through the tanning process. And, and these guys make strips of this rawhide, and, and they weave it together. And Sean said something that I had never heard before. He said, you know, no two riatas are ever the same. Because no two hides are the same. You, you can't braid something on the outside. It might look identical, but each rawhide riata has a life of its own. And Sean said, you know, uh, a riata is said to be the only thing man can make that goes from something dead to something alive because a riata has a life of its own. No two are ever alike. And sometimes it is, it is fickle, and sometimes it is, it, it's got its benefits. But, I mean, it's like going from, from driving a, a tricycle to the space shuttle. I mean, it can take you a lot further, but the skill level just has to go dramatically up. A riata is the only thing that man can make that can go from something dead and bring it back to life. Now, not like God can, obviously, but riatas have a life of their own. And how does the cowboy take something dead and make it alive? By removing everything that's not needed. You don't need the horns to make a riata. You don't need the eyes. You don't need the organs. You don't need the hooves. You remove everything that isn't needed and you make something great. You make something that has a life. Not the life that God has, but it's still a great illustration. Artistry is about unleashing something's true potential. Artistry is about a journey. It's never instantaneous. And artistry is about transformation. Gideon went through a transformation also in the next chapter, starting in verse 2. 
Gideon, uh, the, the Bible says in Judges uh, chapter 8, verse 2, it said, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. Now, I, I skipped a lot of it just for, for the essence of time, but basically uh, uh, God tells Gideon, go rally everybody and bring them in to gather an army to uh, to battle the Midianites. So Gideon goes out there and some different things happen and everybody believes that, that, that God has sent Gideon. So everybody's rallying behind Gideon. And the Lord said to Gideon, there's a problem. You got too many warriors. Now you want to talk about something that you're fixing to go fight a large army that has just defeated all of Israel. And God says, hey, hold on, we got a problem. You got too many men. What? He said, you got too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid and afraid may leave this mountain and go home. Tell everybody. Get this. So 22,000 people left and 10,000 were willing to fight. So 22 plus 31 is like 48 or something like that. So a bunch of people went home, right? 22,000 left and only 10,000 remained. I mean, his forces have been cut in a third, right? 22, there's like, well, 31,000. Now he's down to 10. Over a third walked away because they were timid and afraid. And in verse 4 it says, But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring. And, and what was cool is when we went to Israel the first time, we got to go to that actual spring where this happened. We stood, me and Gary and Sherry and Sandy and Rick and Ty, we stood at Gideon Springs where all of this happened uh, on the... Uh, on the, on the side of this hill, and the Midianites are on the other side of the hill, or, you know, kind of across a little valley, you know, probably about from distance from here to Kiowa or something. I mean, not, not very far is what I'm saying. And he says, but the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, this is what the Lord said. Divide the men into two groups. In one group... Put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths. So basically, what God told him is said, send these 10,000 out there and see which ones cup their hands and bring it up to their mouths and see which ones drink straight from the stream. And then all of those that you see, you know, pull it up to their mouth and kind of drink it like a dog, lap it up with their tongue, put them over here, put the rest of them that just lean down and put their kind of face in the water like a horse would. Because see, God didn't want dogs, he wanted horses. And in verse 6 he says, only 300 of the men drank, oh I did that backwards, sorry, drank from their hands, not put their head down in the water like a dog. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, only 300 didn't drink straight from the stream. They brought it up to their mouths. With these 300 men, I will rescue and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns and the other warriors were sent home. But he kept the 300 with him. Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 8. 
And then if you drop down to verse 22 of, of Judges chapter 8 in the next chapter, it says, Then the Israelites said to Gideon, so basically what happens is Gideon does some stuff, he blows the ram's horns, the Midianites are, are scared, and they start fighting each other. So instead of 300 people fighting a, a, a army that's defeated Israel, now the army is fighting themselves and killing each other. So Gideon's little 300-person army wins. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Be our ruler. You and your son and your grandson will be our rulers, and for you have rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, neither will my sons. The Lord will rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Gideon defeated an army of 135,000 with 300 people. I did the math on this. That's 450 to 1. For every one Israelite person, there was 450 Midianites, and they wiped them all out. He defeated them by God removing the things that were not needed. He brought those 301, counting Gideon, 301. He removed everything else and brought something brand new. He defeated them by removing the dogs, those that have undesirable traits. He removed those that were timid and afraid. And my question is, are you going to be removed? Because if you, you know, a lot of times we think that we have to change who we are, okay? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God made you to be that. But what he's trying to do is he sees your potential. He wants to unleash your potential. He wants to take you on a journey, and he doesn't want to change who you are. He's gonna, he wants to transform you from the inside out. But fear and timidity and, and those things that you do, that I do, that, that all of us do, that we know we shouldn't do, that can't be used by God. God wants to braid us into a, to a living riata that, that can be put in the hands of the Lord and accomplish anything. Transformation. And <clears throat> Sorry. And in verse, uh, in Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about this transformation that God puts us through. He said, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Not just a holy sacrifice once and for all, but a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable the kind that he can use. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Not changing who you are, but changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will. People all the time say, well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Tells you right there. What he wants you to do is allow him to transform you, to unleash your potential, to take you on a journey. But in order to do that, you must offer yourself as a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice each and every day. Let God transform you into, into, into a new person by changing the way you 
Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Transformation and resurrection require the removal of fear, timidity, and doggish behavior. The artistry of God is transformation by sacrifice. The artistry of God is resurrection. I was sitting out at the the roping yesterday, and a friend of mine made a joke, and she meant it to be funny. But she said to her dad, my gift is lowering the bar. (laughs) He laughed and said, now that's not true. But I thought about that completely different. And I told him, I said, hey, but isn't that what Jesus did? The bar used to be set so high that nobody could get over it. That was the law. Nobody, no matter how hard you worked, no matter how hard you trained, you could never make it over the bar. But one man could. His name was Jesus. And he lowered the bar that everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that saving is done through sacrifice, transformation, and resurrection. Remember, God didn't send his son to make bad men good. Think about that. God did not send his son to die on the cross so that you would be a good person. Hogwash. God did not send his son to make you a good person. God didn't send his son to make bad men good. He came to make dead men good alive. And he lowered that bar for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life that will reach their full potential, that will be transformed, that will go on a journey, not towards a goal, but just to walk every single day in his light, not dropping it and running off scared into the brush but by carrying that light with them everywhere they go. And that is artistry, the artistry of God and the working ranch cowboys, seeing the true value in something that others others deem weak and worthless, not seeking a goal, but enjoying a journey, of taking a journey and being transformed from the impossible to the miraculous. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. You, not the person that you're looking at the back of their head, not the one talking, you yourself are God's masterpiece, his artistry. He has created us anew, transformed us in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. There's something that I learned, one more thing. Well, there was a lot of other things I learned on that ranch in South Texas. But I started going over there. They said, be there, at five, be over at the bunkhouse at 5.30. I lived in a little house just, you know, the length of the fairground, uh, this building from the bunkhouse. And I would go over there at 5.30, and Tomas would have breakfast ready. And I ate with Antonio, Tomas, and Zeferino. And I did that for a few weeks, and breakfast was always ready at 5.30. So one day I showed up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I come walking in, and two of the three would say, Buenos dias, good morning, buenos dias, amigos. And we would sit down and have breakfast that was already ready. A few weeks goes by, and I thought, how early do these fellows get up? So I went over there at 4.30 one morning. I walked into the bunkhouse, and the three cowboys are sitting there, and they said, Buenos dias, Kevin. Buenos dias, amigos. And breakfast was ready. So I went over there one time at 4 o'clock in the morning. 
I walked into the bunkhouse, and two of the three guys, because Tomas never talked, he just smiled. Two of the three cowboys said, Buenos dias, Kevin. I said, Buenos dias, amigo. And I quit at four. I'm not, I'm not going over there before four. It, it was not that important. But what was important was what Tomas and Zeferino and Antonio shared with me at their table every single morning. It was a breakfast that I had never had before. And if I had the want to, which I should, of getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, but I, but I want to stay married, I would get up and make that same breakfast. It was an amazing breakfast, and I've had it a few times since then. And it brings back wonderful, wonderful memories. It became a tradition there at the San Pedro Ranch and is one of the treasures that I take with me nearly every single day. I've learned lessons from that tradition, a tradition you've probably never heard and probably a tradition that most of you have never enjoyed. And you come back next week and I will tell you what it was and the lesson I learned from it that changed my life and can change yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for inviting us on this journey of writing with you with purpose and meaning. God, the only thing that can fulfill us and bring us to a place of peace and power is you. Thank you for taking fragile clay jars and making them into something wonderful, magical, and miraculous. This transformation cannot be done in anywhere except the potter's hand, and you are that potter. Allow us to become that clay and use your artistry to take us from something dead to something that is truly alive for the very first time. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy? Do you long to ride for the brand? If you're one of those rare individuals, then we at Save the Cowboy have something just for you. We believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined. We are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch. We can show you how to be stronger, go further, and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? A Long X Ranch cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the cowboy gather the lost and bring back those that have strayed away. Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.